0: We're going to go to the Gospel of John this morning in your Bible, if you would. The Gospel of John, chapter number 5. The Gospel of John in chapter number 5. I love that old song. Miss Jan McDonald used to sing that a lot. And every time she did, I felt like she was singing it right at me. I mean, right, right to me. It just I'm thankful for the long suffering of our God that He just continues to work on us and help us. And make us over again, I'm telling you. to get all the lumps out and help us to be what He would have us to be if we're pliable. If we'll allow Him to do it. He just continues to work on us. I'm so thankful for that. So thankful for that. The Gospel of John, chapter number 5, we'll begin our reading there in verse number 1. If you will follow along with me this morning, pardon me, I will do some reading. The Bible says, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there's at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. I want to try to preach to you this morning for a little while. On the blessing of trusting the Word of God. <laughs> the blessing of trusting the Word of God. Let's pray. We'll get going. Father, we are blessed to be in this place this morning already. I'm thankful for the time that we had together as people in the Sunday school hour and now this morning in this morning's worship service, the songs that have been sung unto you, the, the, the choir specials, the, the special music we just heard. It all just goes together to honor and glorify you. And now, God, we ask that you would bless the reading of your word and the preaching to follow. We 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 just trust you to do what we can't as we do our best to try to preach the message that we have in front of us this morning. Lord, there may be someone here this morning that does not know Christ as their Savior. I pray that you would convict them and convince them and help them, uh, dear God, please, to come to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and to accept it. Father, for, for, for us that are here that do know Christ as our Savior, encourage us, Lord, just encourage us once again by your word we pray and we'll thank you for whatever you do in our hearts and lives for we ask it all in the perfect name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word of God. Imagine this scene with me for a moment if you would. There were five porches Surrounding a pool, whatever size that pool may have been. And the people that lay on these five porches were sickly, ill, diseased, disabled. Uh, many of them had been deserted by friends and probably even deserted by family. And there they lay, day after day after day, unkept, unclean, unbathed. Many were probably unsightly, and some were probably rather fragrant I mean it's probably safe to say that most that were laying on those five perches uh, were discouraged and some probably even downright depressed that they had been there for whatever time they had been there what I'm trying to say is it was not a pretty scene I mean it wasn't something you'd go oh I mean you know if you were a tourist you'd go oh get the camera I mean, it's not something that you would want to remember. The porches where they lay, they were covered areas, were sick folks that would wait for their opportunity to get into this healing pool. Five porches. Five's the number of grace in the Bible, and so thus they were surrounded by grace and didn't even know it at that point. Did you know that you have never been where grace wasn't? I mean, everywhere you've ever been, grace was there also. I mean, grace is not a, just a New Testament doctrine. The Old Testament is covered right. in the grace of God, right. truly. This man that uh, is highlighted in our scripture this morning had been there for some 38 years and he had no one to help him. He was probably broke, probably penniless, and he's just waiting. Hoping. I think one of the things that we have to acknowledge that is a Bible truth and a Bible principle is that you don't choose the time in which you get saved. Uh, Only when the Holy Spirit of God draws you to the Savior. Only when you fall under Holy Ghost conviction is the time that you come to the Lord. Because it's not an intellectual decision that you make. It has to be a real uh, movement of God. God has to be dealing with you. God has to be drawing you. It's not just a religious action or something that you can do at any time that you want to. There's been a lot of people that have sat in church services such as this one, convicted of their need of salvation, convicted that they were a sinner in need of a Savior, knowing that they need to trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And when the time of invitation came, instead of coming down and dealing with that at that point, had this thought in their mind, oh, i would take that care of that later. Oh, probably not. Because so many times you leave that service, the conviction is gone, and then you just go on about your way. The Bible says in John chapter 6 and verse 44, no man can come unto me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. The man in our text today is an example of having to wait on the Lord. Again, there are those that speak of getting saved when they're ready, but that's probably not going to happen because only when the Spirit of God deals with us can we be saved. There's a few things I want to point out about uh, our portion of Scripture that we have this morning. It says in verse number 2 that there is at Jerusalem by the sheep, uh, by the sheep market a pool, um, which is called Hebrew in, in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda having five porches. The sheep market was just inside the sheep gate in Jerusalem, in the, uh, uh, inside the wall, according to Nehemiah chapter 3 and verse number 1. And, and this was the gate through which the lambs were brought to be offered as sacrifice by the worshippers in the temple. And of those who traveled to Jerusalem and from other cities in the Passover time, when the offering was to be made, the sacrifices were to be made, many could not bring their own sacrificial animals into uh, that. And it was customary for them to buy a lamb there at the sheep market. And it says uh, that there is, that there is, that's ever present by the sheep market, the sheep gate, the place where the sacrifice was made. The Old Testament sheep gate represents the New Testament cross. It says that by the sheep market, there's a pool. Now we know that this pool had a reputation of healing, which kept the people hoping. They were hoping. They were there and they were hoping. Hope I can be the next one in. Hope I can be the next one. But we know of a fountain and a pool by which we can be healed, don't we? Okay, I love the old hymn. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath the flood, lose all their guilty stains. Hallelujah. I'm very thankful for that. And then in verses 2 and 3, we see the multitude. There, now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue, Bethesda having five porches in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk of blind and halt withered waiting for the moving of water. So there's a great multitude of people filled these five porches. It wasn't just a few people laying here and here and there. They were pretty much packed in there from what we can read here in the scriptures. And they were sick. We see in verse number three that there was a great number of sick or impotent folk were they were laying of the porches on the porches of the sheep gate. And their condition was severe. Now they wouldn't have been laying there at that point if their condition wasn't uh, uh, severe. Um, But it represents a picture of lost souls crippled by sin. Uh, These sick folk folk were waiting for the moving of the water in the pool. Uh, This moving of the water seemed to be from heaven, not from earth. And there was no healing virtue in the water until that time. So there were blind who could not see, there were lame who could not walk, uh, there were the withered and, and uh, who were deformed and paralyzed, and there were many with infirmities uh, who were poor and, and barely, I mean, you think about it, there are so many in our world today that are blind and lame and withered spiritually. Right. They are in need of help that they can only get in one place, only in one spot. And notice the identity of these people had no bearing of their being healed. What do you mean, preacher? Well, no one received special attention because of who he or she were at that time. No, there were no special support or interest groups that went from ports to ports doing social assistance. Wasn't happening that way. No one had advantage over the other person. Being wealthy had no advantage, being good had no advantage, having a goodly heritage no advantage, being the poorest no advantage. And so it is with the matter of salvation. So it is with being saved by the grace of God. It matters not who you are as long as you're a sinner. That's the qualification. To get saved by the grace of God, you first must acknowledge that you are a sinner. In need of a Savior. Acts 10.34, the Bible says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. God is not a respecter of persons. Now, I'm very thankful that I didn't have to do anything special to be saved by the grace of God. He did it all for me. Amen. amen. Um, You have the same access to Christ as does anyone else. I said anybody else. Well, preacher, I've heard before that God picks and chooses who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. That's heresy. You cannot prove that by the Bible. Right. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He made provision for every man, woman, boy, and girl. God made provision for us. Please remember that there is nothing about you that will cause you to be drawn to God. Preacher, I can't believe you'd even say something like that. I know in the society we live in today, that doesn't really go over real well, does it? Because in the society we live in today, it's all about us. It's all about us. But I'm telling you, there was nothing special about me that caused me to be drawn to God. Only as God convicts you can you be saved by his grace. Only as he deals with you. And let me just go ahead and throw this in. None of us deserve it. Mary right. won. nobody deserves it. no way. These people were sinners. The man that was healed needed christ's forgiveness and and, and and his redemption and the rest of the people that were dwelling on the porches at that time they needed that same they needed that same healing touch from God that that only God could do i i'm I can declare that everyone within the sound of my voice this morning, either you have already had that spiritual healing, or you're still in need of it this very minute. I'll say it again: everybody that's listening, whether whether in here or by live stream, you've either had that you've either had that spiritual healing in your life, and you know you have, or you're still in need of it right now. There's only two conditions. You're either saved by the grace of God or you're lost in your sin. Only two conditions. We don't have to read very far into the Bible until we discover that we are sinners. We are sinners. And because of that, we've been sentenced. John 3.18 says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. We're all condemned we were all condemned to die. The fact that man is a sinner automatically sentences him to death. Jew and Gentile alike. Again, God's no respecter of persons. Heritage carries no influence um, for the sinner. Kings, queens, governors alike will be sentenced to the pit. The rich, the famous, the unknown, all are sentenced. We have that sentence upon us. And we see from the multitude that they were sick. They were sinners. They were sentenced to death because of their condition. And if we looked long enough, we might even find some of you on that porch. And then we have the man. In verse number five, we see it says a certain man. I really like it. No name is given. No personal details were given. Therefore, it could have been any man, any person. And he represents you and me. And I love it because Jesus came to him. I'll say it again Jesus came to him. To him. Again, John 6, 44 says, no man man can come unto me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. The last day. This man, this certain man was disabled. He had an infirmity for 38 years. Maybe he was born with a disability or maybe something happened along the way in his life to to cause that, but it's clear that it was incurable. There wasn't any answer for it. And that pictures man's inability to redeem self. We can't save ourselves. Well, if I'm just good enough, can't be good enough. Well, if I join enough churches, churches can't save you. Well, maybe I need to be baptized again. You can be baptized till you look like a prune and still end up in hell. Water's never washed one sin away. Do you have an inability to redeem yourself? There's only one redeemer and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, stay with me here. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ himself. That's the spiritual condition of all of mankind. He's disabled, he's incurable. We're all born with this incurable disease called sin. And without the intervention of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, everyone will die with this dreadful disease and will go to hell. And hell is a very real place. I know the modern theologians have tried to air condition it. Or they do away with it. But it's still a very real place. And it is a place where those that do not know Jesus Christ, as their personal savior, will spend eternity, a place where no one should really ever want to go. And there's no exceptions. There's, there's no cure apart from Jesus. The, 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 the 38 years that this man lived in this condition is only a picture of God's grace. It tells us that before the man died of this sickness, that God intervened in his life and healed him. very thankful. And if you're saved today, it's by the very same grace. Absolutely so. Before you died of your sin sickness, God intervened in your life and He healed you. The Holy Spirit of God came and convicted you of your sin against God and drew you to the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And there was a time that you said, yes, that's exactly what I need. And He gave you the cure. This man was disabled, but he's also desperate. He was desperate. I mean, you think about it. 38 years. Oh, he's waiting. 38 years. Um, I wonder how many of us would go to a doctor's office and wait there for years without seeing the doctor. I mean, you're just waiting there and waiting there and waiting there. And once a year, once a year, the nurse comes out and says, Who's next? And everybody there just 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 makes a dash at the door and whoever got there first was the next patient. <laughs> Time would run out one day, wouldn't it? He knew if he could just get into that pool that he would be made whole. But he was also disappointed. Verse number 6 there says... And a certain man was there which had the infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? And the impotent, impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. When the water's troubled, to put me into the pool. But, but while I'm coming, another steppeth down before me. He'd been disappointed over and over. Can you imagine? Come on. 38 years he'd been disappointed over and over and over. Trying to make it to the pool. Trying to make it to the pool. Water gets stirred. Trying to make it to the pool. Never been able to get there. Trying on his own. We'll never get there on our own. We can't do it by ourselves. And I can guarantee you one thing this morning. You'll never be disappointed in Christ. No. He tried to make his way to the pool on his own, yet he never could make it. Trying to prepare himself to be healed. But man's effort's never going to get him to the healing station. Just turning over a new leaf in your life, it's going to no, 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 no. It's going to bring nothing but greater disappointment. Failure waits. Trying to elevate yourself up to some spiritual condition, some some spiritual ladder will avail nothing but disappointment no matter what you try to do to make yourself ready it's going to fail well i tell you i'm going to come to christ but i just need to clean up my life first oh no 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 that's not going to make it any easier i'll say it again it's not going to make it any easier no no god saves us right where we are we don't change to come to him we go to him and he changes us that's the way that god works this man was destitute. He may not have had very much time left. He may have thought, man, if I, don't get in it, if I don't get there now, I may never ever get in there. But time will run out for everyone. Are you listening to me this morning? Time will run out for everyone. We, have, we all have an appointment with death. All of us. Every unsaved person that has an opportunity to come to Christ will say no to God for the last time. There's not much doubt that people have sat in church services like this and said no to Jesus Christ and then left not knowing that they had just missed their last opportunity to be saved. What are you saying God gives up? Oh no, I'm not, I'm not saying God gives up. I'm just saying that uh, we never know when the end's going to come. We never know when it may be the very last chance we have to trust Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. We don't know. I could sit up here and tell stories. I'm not much of a storyteller, but I could sit up here and tell story after story about people that went off into eternity just like that. When they got up that morning, they had no idea that was going to happen. We don't know what the day holds. We don't know what the afternoon holds. We don't know if we'll see the sun come up tomorrow. We don't know that. We can think a certain way. Oh, I've got a lot of life to live. You don't know that. We can't be sure of that. How horrible that would be to think that someone had a chance to trust Christ as their Savior and said no. I'm glad the Messiah came on the scene. The end of verse number six, he says, wilt thou be made whole? I like that verse there because it says, when Jesus saw him lie and knew, (laughs) and knew that he had been now a long time in that case. Jesus knew. No, no, come on, listen to me. He knew right where he was. He knew how long he had been there. And he knew his need. Um, He's omniscient. I'm saying there's nothing about you that he does not know. He knew this man's need. He knew who he was. He knew where he was. And he knows you and he knows where you are. He knows how wicked you are. He knows how sin sick you may be. He knows you need what he can give you. He knows that. And we have to think about his compassion. I mean, he loves us in spite of who we are and what we are. So thankful. And so Jesus asked him, "Wilt thou be made whole? Every person must answer that question. The question requires man's consent because he's not going to save anybody against their will. He doesn't do that. If we don't want him, he does not enter in. If we don't ask him in, he does not come in. It's not the way he works. Well, I see you don't want it, but I'm going to save you anyway. That's not the way God works. No one is going to be in heaven that did not choose the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. No one. And today the Messiah is saying to you, "Wilt thou be made whole? So what will be your answer? And we know that Jesus does end up making the man whole. (laughs) Uh, No, 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 no. Jesus didn't just pat him on the head and say, oh, everything's going to be okay. Just keep your chin up. Try to do the very best you can, you know. Reach way down inside and be a better you. I'm glad he didn't say something like that. Very thankful. Jesus knew that the man could not do for himself. He knew he couldn't do it himself. He knew this man was disabled and desperate and disappointed and destitute. He knew that the man was doomed within his own self. Therefore, he did for him what he could not do for himself. Friend, let let me tell you today that the Messiah, the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ is walking by where you are and He's looking for you. He knows your condition. He shed His blood and died for your sin. He took your sin and wickedness upon His own body and He asks you today, wilt thou be made whole? so what will your... Answer B. It shows His mercy. That phrase can only be asked in His mercy. Only by His mercy can we have the opportunity to be made whole. Bethesda, that word there the 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 sheep market's called the hebrew tongue bethesda that that word bethesda it's a it's a word of aramaic origin but it signifies literally the house of mercy the house of mercy there they lay in the house of mercy five porches five being a number of grace It, it's likely that the porches were built, built for a more convenient reception of the poor, or the distressed, who came there to be healed. It doesn't appear that any person was, it doesn't appear that any person was obliged to pay anyone else for what the mercy of God freely gave. So our our, our Lord Jesus Christ hereupon cures him with a word, though he neither. Deserved it. And the words that he said to him were this, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. The hymn writer wrote, Mercy there was great, and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. The mercy of God allows his grace to work. Stay with me here just, just a few more minutes. God is a just God. He's a just God. And his justice requires that each of his actions be Just. So without grace, his wrath would consume every sinner. But because he has mercy toward us, his grace can set us free. And the message to this man was, rise, take up thy bed, and walk. It was a message of hope. My hope is built on nothing less but Jesus' blood and righteousness I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. We have hope in Him. It was a message of forgiveness. The message from the Lord had nothing to do with the man's own efforts. No, 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 no. The message was this rise up, uh, rise, take up thy bed, and walk. Jesus did it all. Jesus did it all. The man was forgiven. We, we think of another place in another time, can't we? When a, when a man was healed and then the religious crowd of that day questioned Jesus forgiving that man's sin. And Jesus' response was this, For whether it's easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk. Come on, Jesus was God in the flesh. He could do it any way he wanted to do it. For 38 years, this man had been unable to walk. Yet there in verse number nine, it says, and immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. Now get this, the man acted in faith. He acted in faith. No, 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 he didn't say, I can't walk. The Lord said, rise, take up thy bed. I can't, I can't, I can't walk. He didn't argue with him. It just says immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. The impotent man left that porch that day healed and forgiven. (laughs) My good friend, brother, Maury Gibson, preacher. He preached a message one time. I remember... And the title was, You Ain't So Impotent When Jesus Passes By. Oh, some of you are asleep anyway. (laughs) I thought that was a great title. Anyway, it was also a message of comfort. Come on, think about the joy and the gladness that was flowing through this man when he put forth the effort to get up and he was able to get up. Think about the joy when he stooped over to pick up his bedroll and his body did what he told it to do. Uh, think of the joy as he took his first step after 38 years. He was changed by the Lord's words. I remember when the Lord saved me. Some of you probably get tired of hearing it, but I remember when the Lord saved me. I remember getting down beside my coffee table there in my apartment, in Longview, Texas, And calling out to the Lord and putting my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I remember when he saved me. I was changed by his word. I heard the word. That I was a sinner in need of a savior. That Jesus Christ paid the price for my sin on Mount Calvary all those years ago. By the shedding of his blood that he gave up the ghost and died and was laid in a tomb for three days and three nights. But at the end of that time, he rose from the dead by his own power. The only man that ever has that he sits at the right hand of the Father asking people today, wilt thou be made whole? What a difference it's made in my life. Just by trusting His word. Trusting His word. But you know, after God saves us, there's still a ministry. Salvation's not the end, it's the beginning. And on down in verse number 14, come on, stay with me, we're almost done. In verse number 14, it says, Afterward, Jesus findeth him, this man, in the temple and said unto him, Isn't it amazing, this guy, he gets healed. First place he goes is to the house of God. <laughs> That's where Christians belong. Right. They belong in the house of God. Anyway, okay, okay, I won't preach on it. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said unto him, "Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worst thing, a worse thing, come unto thee." So Jesus met him in the temple. And it was at that place where he reassured this man that he had been made whole. Come on, stay with me here. Jesus met him in the temple, and that's where he reassured him that he had been made whole. It's important that after we get saved by the grace of God, that we find a good church home. You know, like Riverside Baptist Church. I'm allowed to promote this place. I'm the pastor of this place. Amen. Amen. Like Riverside Baptist Church where you can hear the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. That you can be assured that, hey, I have been made whole. Come on, you can be around other like-minded believers that are trying to do their best to live for God too. To be encouraged by one another, edified by one another. Come on, I mean, it's a wonderful thing to join and be a part of a New Testament Baptist church. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Where the Word of God is taught. Where the Word of God is preached. Where we can be assured that, hey, yes, on that time, at that place, when you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you were saved by the grace of God. And now you just need to grow. In the nurture and admonition of the Lord. See, he, he, he reassured the man that he had been made whole but encouraged him to sin no more. Well, now that I'm saved by the grace of God, I have liberty in Christ. I can just do whatever I wish to do. Uh, no. That's not what the Bible teaches. You Baptists, you just believe once saved, always saved. You can't get anything but that out of this Bible. When we have truly trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, been saved by His grace, I am telling you, there's no way we're getting out of it. No way well you just believe that so you can just live your life any way you want to after you get saved oh no 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 anybody that's been truly saved by the grace of God the, host, the Holy Spirit of God living inside them they don't want to continue to do the same thing well I'll tell you but I mess up everybody messes up some along the way because we still have that old nature we have the new nature that's in there by the Holy Spirit of God and we have that old nature that's in this flesh and there's a battle that goes on after we get saved absolutely so but I'm telling you somebody's truly saved by the grace of God that that new nature is, is always trying are you listening? Always trying to get us to do better. To draw closer to God. To do the things that God would have us to do. There's a battle go, goes on and if you're not a member of a good Bible believing teaching preaching church where you can come and get preached to and taught the Bible along the way. I'm telling you if you're not feeding that new man with the things that he needs it's not going to be long before the old man's winning out again. Right. But as we're willing to, no, no, as we're willing to feed that new man, that new nature, he begins to win. Preacher, it seemed like almost every message you're telling us we need to read the Bible and pray and read the Bible and pray and read the Bible and pray. Have I thrown that in yet? Oh, I just did, didn't I? Read the Bible and pray. You know why? Because you'll never grow as a Christian unless you do. I'll say it again. I don't mind. I'll say it again. I'll say it well. You'll never grow as a Christian until you do. You're not going to grow as a Christian unless you're in this book. You're not going to grow as a Christian unless you're talking to God. It's not going to happen. It doesn't happen by osmosis. It doesn't happen just because. I'm telling you, somebody that will not—no, no—somebody that will not heed the word of God, apply it to their life. Pretty soon, they're wondering, did I really get saved? Did I really trust Christ? I mean, boy, oh boy, it just seems like I'm doing all these things I shouldn't be doing. Well, the Apostle Paul was the same way. He said, "Man, oh man, these things I should be doing, I'm not doing. All the things I shouldn't be doing, I find myself doing that." But the thing about the Apostle Paul that is that he was a seeker after God, and he stayed close to God, and he continued to try to do all those things that were right and. And we know that God blessed that his efforts because he wrote most of the New Testament so it's not like that any of us fight any different battle than others might fight oh because of your past it may be a little harder or because of of some besetting sin it might be tough along the way but God is there for us I'm telling you no 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 after we're saved God is there for us and his desire is that we sin no more that's his desire Now, none of us are sinless, none of us are perfect, and none of us will be sinless nor perfect until we finally drop this robe of flesh and rise to meet Him in the air, of which time I'm looking forward to more and more. But until that time, we should heed the words of Christ to this man, to you and me, go and sin no more. We can't do that by ourselves. We can only do that with God's help. And so we pray. And we search the Scriptures. And we take heed. And we become doers of the Word and not just hearers of the Word. Well, I go to church every Sunday. Good, you should be at church every Sunday. By the way, you should be there Sunday night and Wednesday night too. Just thought I'd throw that in there. But it doesn't matter if you go Sunday morning to Sunday school, Sunday morning services, Sunday night service, Wednesday night service, every revival service. It doesn't matter if you're not a doer of the word because you can hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it and it never changes you one bit until you apply it to your own life until you start doing what it says and I mean this is just boy oh boy oh boy When somebody gets saved by the grace of God, if I have an opportunity to talk to them, one of the first things I tell them is from this point forward, do not tell God no. Don't tell Him no. Just listen to Him. Do what He says. Keep pushing forward. Know that He's there for you. Christian liberty doesn't give us the liberty to sin. Christian liberty gives us the liberty to not sin anymore. Oh, come on. I don't have to smoke anymore. I don't have to drink anymore. I don't have to cuss anymore. I don't have to do the illicit things of the world anymore. I have been set free. After salvation, God desires that we do our best to follow the precepts that are laid out in his Bible. And he's there to help us every step of the way. If we'll just listen. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. Sure. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that it's not right that we'd be looking for how much we can do before we cross the line into sin. But we should be looking for ways we can overcome any sin in our lives and ways we can serve Him with our lives. Well, I wonder how close I can get to the line. I'm telling you, the devil greases the line. You better stay away from the line they stay, stay as far away from that as you can. I'm thankful that in our Bible, there are a lot of other comforting messages from the Lord. Words from Him. I, I like this one over in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls. I'm so very thankful for that. You ever feel labored? Heavy laden? Loaded down with the burdens? Maybe someone in here even this morning. No, no, you're here and it's, it's like your burdens are almost too heavy to bear. The Lord cries out, come unto me. Maybe you've talked to different people about your problems and it just still seems to be there's no answer. The Lord, Lord cries out, come unto me. He has more answers than Facebook. Maybe the money matters in your house are hurting. The Lord cries out, come unto me. I can show you the way. Or maybe you just feel all alone. And the Lord cries out, come unto me. Because he's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He's always there for us. Whatever your problem or your need is, Jesus says, come unto me. If you're lost and in your sins, if you're like that this morning... Jesus may very well be calling out to you today. There's blessing in trusting the Word of God because even as the choir sang, God's Word changes lives. Trusting His Word. And and if you're saved and you're still following your own will, over the will of the Lord, Jesus calls this morning too. Will you come unto me? My plan's better than your plan. The life I have for you is much better than the life you're living. Just come unto me. Just let me have my way in your life. I've never regretted a second That I have lived my life for the Lord. None. At all. And the direction that I have gotten from Him, from my salvation until this day, is from this. Because God's Word does change life, and there's a blessing that comes from following it. Would you bow your heads with me? Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. For just a moment, please. No one looking around in respect of the Lord. Appreciate that very much. It may be that you're here this morning and you'd say, Preacher, I don't know. I don't know. I don't I just I don't know that I've trusted Christ as my Savior. I don't know. I don't know if I was to die that I would end up in heaven. I just do not know. But I don't want to pass up a chance to trust Christ. Preacher, would you please just say a prayer for me? Sir, sure, man, I'd love to do that. You're here like that this morning. Our heads are bowed. I'd love to pray for you like that this morning. Would you slip up your hand wherever you're at? Just allow me to pray for you right there. God bless your heart there and there. Thank you so much for your honesty. You may put your hands down. Others, yeah, that's me too, preacher. When you pray for those folks, will you pray for me? Absolutely so. I'd love to do that. I can't get saved for you, but I would love to pray for you, preacher. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I was to even die today, that I would end up in heaven. Would you please pray for me? Anyone else like that before we move on? Would you just slip up your hand wherever you're at? Let me pray for you, would you? God bless you. God bless your heart. God bless you. Thank, thank you for your honesty. It's a shame to think we'd sit in a church service such as this one and end up in hell one of these days. So in a few minutes, in just a few moments, I'm going to pray for you. And then we're going to have invitation And I'm going to be standing down here down front and I I invite you when invitation starts to come and we have somebody that can take you aside and take a Bible and show you how you can have that all settled in your life. No, no, no. We're not trying to twist your arm, make you do anything. We just want to show you how you can have that all settled. The decision's up to you. You're here this morning and you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, but um, you need some help from Him. And you know you do. That's me, preacher. Well, can I pray for you? Would you just slip up your hand wherever you're at and let me pray for you that way? Just hold them up high for a minute. Yeah, preacher, I I need something from the Lord today. I need that. Hold them up high for just a second. I do want to pray for you. God bless your honesty all across the auditorium. Thank you so very much for that. You may put your hands down. I'm telling you, the Lord is a need meter. And it might just be that you need to come to an old-fashioned altar this morning and just kneel down and talk to Him for a little while. He'll meet you here. He'll meet you here. He'll help you. He'll help you. Just come unto Him. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray for those in here that do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Certainly we know very well that we cannot save them, but we know just as well that You can. And they've asked for prayer. So I lift them up to you and ask that you would convince them that that's their greatest need. And Lord, just help them even to have the boldness to step out and come this morning so that someone might take them aside and take a Bible and show them how they can have that all settled. Lord, I pray for them that you'd continue to work in their heart, work in their life, that they'd not let a chance pass by. And then for all the other hands, folks that know you, but... uh, may be wearied or burdened. I don't know what the needs are represented by these hands, but I lift these folks up to You and ask, Lord, that You would meet their need as they come and, 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 and sit at Your feet and allow You to minister to them and give them the wherewithal to continue to push forward and do the things that You would have them to do. That You give them strength and grace and grace Lord, whatever the need might be that You'd meet it. Father, bless this time of invitation. Help us, Lord, as only You can. We trust You to do these things. And we ask it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand to our feet. Our heads are bowed. You don't know Christ as your Savior. Won't you come this morning? I'll meet you here. I can direct you to someone. Happy to take a Bible and take you aside show you what the Bible says about trusting Christ as your personal Savior I'm telling you come God will save you He's never turned anyone away has God spoken to your heart this morning do you know that you need Jesus Christ as your personal Savior why don't you come why don't you step out why don't you just let God have His way if you'll take that first step I promise you got to make the second one a little easier Christian you're here this morning and you're burdened down with care why don't you come and just pour your heart out to the Lord let God have his way in your life your heart you'll not regret that God's here for you waiting waiting to supply your need waiting to help you through whatever you might be facing he's here folks are coming you have a need why don't you come why don't you let God have his way why don't you yield yourself to the Lord why don't you decide that you're going to start doing what God would have you to do that you're going to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only that you're going to let him have his way in your heart your life your home every part of your life just let him have his way folks are praying still plenty of time still plenty of room what does God want you to do would you come the Lord waits he's waiting for you